This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. I just want to say a very big thank you to this church. Um, I don't know if we accurately and adequately expressed our gratitude for uh, pastor appreciation um, over the month of October and the uh, fellowship that we had afterwards on Sunday evening on the 31st. So I want to say thank you to all the gifts, the cards, your generosity, your love for us, for the for the rest of those that are on the pastoral team here at Greater Life, we're just very grateful to you and to this wonderful church body. Amen. We thank you so much for that. Thank you for letting us be gone last week while we were in Grand Rapids. We were, uh, we were very privileged to be with the Lictals, and they send their greetings to Greater Life. And, um, and we are just very blessed to have such great leader in our district superintendent and, uh, and great leadership here that while we're gone, while I'm gone, it's not as though... It's not as though something's really missing, per se. It's just, we just kind of keep going. We just keep rolling with it. And that's the blessings and the goodness of God. Amen. So this is a story in Luke chapter 24. Give us a little bit of context. This is after Jesus' crucifixion, after his betrayal, his trial, his crucifixion, his, his burial, his resurrection. Picking up here in verse 13, it says, Now behold, two of them, these were disciples, two of them, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all the things which had happened. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Verse 16 says, But their eyes were restrained. That The verbiage there is that it's in the passive tense, meaning that the Lord was holding them back. He said, I'm just, I, I got to do something in you, so before I can do something to you, I got to do something in you. Okay. Whew, okay. All right. That's fine. If you don't want that, that's fine. <laughs> okay. Their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? That's the tone of their conversation. We'll let, let you know some of the things that they're talking about. Then one, of the, one, of, one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened in these, uh, there in these days? And he said to them, What things? Like uniquely the only one who did know. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people. And now the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that he had that they had also seen a vision of angels whom said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but 
him they did not see. Then he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets during this long walk, he expounded to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village when they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. Jesus was just about to go further. And this is the pivot point of this story. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went to stay with them, and now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took, everyone say took, bread, he blessed, everyone say blessed, and he broke, everyone say, bro- say broke, and he gave it to them. Everyone say gave. He took, blessed, broke, and gave. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, the Lord is risen indeed and he has, and has appeared to Simon. And they told about all the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. And for some time this morning, I'm going to preach on this subject. Things just got real. Amen. It's not just religion. Things got real. It's not just far off somewhere or happening to someone else. Things just got real. With where you're at right now and where you're at in life, things are getting real. Amen? Turn to somebody before you're seated. Turn to somebody and say, things just got real. Amen. Before I get started preaching this morning, because I haven't technically started yet, this is just reading scripture. You may be seated. It's all right. I want to show you a few things. Next, the next couple of Sundays, um, because uh, we, we just came from Pastor Appreciation, Ministry Appreciation Month, and we are getting into this month of November, which is a month of Thanksgiving. Amen. My favorite holiday. It's a great, great holiday. And, and we already see some signs of the change of the seasons outside. Praise the Lord. Everyone's Okay, no, all right, so we got this. it's a mixed congregation here this morning, amen. If we could take a vote, all in favor, say aye, and all opposed, just like, tough luck, this is Minnesota, so. <laughs> and I want to share with you a couple of things, because we are, um, we next week and the week following, we just want to kind of go on this theme of thanksgiving and appreciation, not just uh, this way, but also just to, to one another and, and how grateful we are. So um, there are a couple of things that you're going to be seeing um, in the next couple of weeks just by a show of appreciation and thanksgiving and gratitude. I think that's an important thing for us to remember. In the time that we're in right now, we're living in a world and a generation that's full of ingratitude, right? 
not thank you, but give me. Right? Okay. And the church, we need to be different. We need to be different from that. We need to understand that it's not a, there's no sense of entitlement here. <laughs> there's zero sense of entitlement. We don't deserve the blessings we have. Thank God we don't get what we deserve. Whew. Thank the Lord. So you're going to see a few things handed up. But in, the, in these next couple of weeks, there's also going to be something that's opening up that you're also going to be uh, able to see and take part of. Where we have some, some neat little things that we want to kind of um, put up for sale. This is a little, a little notebook that you can kind of have. And you'll see it's kind of branded with a little Greater Life uh, logo on there. I think that's, that's kind of neat. So it's, it's a kind of a cold. It's going to be a little bit cold. And, and maybe you wouldn't mind like a, maybe you wouldn't mind a little scarf to wear. Someone wouldn't mind a little scarf with Greater Life on there and, and for that. So we want to kind of encourage, encourage that as well. It's getting a little chilly, so, so we, we have some things like that. If, you, if you're not really a scarf wearer and you like a hat, we have some, some, some lovely hats that you can wear with Brandon with Greater Life on there and so on and so forth. And we have stocking caps that are fleece-lined. They will keep you, I'm not much of a salesman, but whatever. They'll keep you warm, and, uh, and, and you'll be thrilled with that. And also, oh, I'm really super excited about this. We have tote bags for all of you who like to go get arugula and parsnips at the co-op or whatever. I don't know what you do with these, but, you know, it's then at the, you go hold hands and sing songs about the leader. I don't know what they do at those co-ops. So anyway, <laughs> and then we have some really nice um, hooded sweatshirts as well for just to kind of, I, I think it's, it's not just, just merch for merch's sake, but God's really doing some great things, and I'm really proud to be a part of this church. I'm really proud, and, I, and if they're in so much as I can have pride, um, I'm really proud of the people of this congregation, this church, the love, the authenticity, and the, um, the spiritualness that we, by the grace of God, are able to possess and promote. Um, really, it's, it's him who is in us. It's not ourselves. It's all about him. And so I think this is the greatest church in the Twin Cities, and I'm, I'm so excited, not because, not because of who's standing behind the pulpit today. That is for sure, but because of great people and a great God. So we just want to say thank you for that. Amen. So things just got a little more real. In your life, um, and where we're at in our world today, we can begin to see, I want to maybe bring back this story of these disciples that are walking along the way, and Jesus is talking with them. It's a unique passage, and it's only found in one of the Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke. I find it interesting, like, when you're preaching and you'll say, I think uh, Pastor Hatton maybe just said this recently, when you find something that's in all four Gospels, you really should pay attention to it. And then sometimes when you find something that's only in one Gospel, you should pay attention to it. But if it's in two or three, I guess maybe we pay, I don't know, I don't know what we do. No, we, we pay attention to all of it, but, but significant points are being made when the, when, the, when the gospel writers are inspired by the Holy Ghost to mention something that happens in all four gospels. And significant points are being made when it happens and it comes up in just one of the gospels. There's a point that's being made. And with this story of these disciples that are, that are walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus in the seven-mile journey that they are going on, you can imagine their temperament. You can imagine the level of conversation that they were having. It was one that was maybe not particularly pleasant and not very comforting. As a matter of fact, Jesus, um, the word tells us that as Jesus is approaching them, he says, what kind of conversation is this that you're having with one another as you walk? And 
are sad. Because they had ridden this excitement for years. They, they, they had said this, there, there's something that's changing and something that's happening and, and there's something that's exciting that's, that's taking place and we are a part of it. And they had ridden this wave for years and saying, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. This is what had been prophesied about. It. This, is, this, is what, this is what we had hoped in. And so they said, we're just going to leave our little home in Emmaus. We're just going to follow a Jesus for a while. We're going to track with him for a while and just be with him. We want to be with Jesus. We understand that these aren't one of the 12, the original 12 disciples. This is Cleopas, and we'll read later in John that it's likely also his wife, Mary, that was with him, walking on the way. This couple that had put everything they had into Jesus. They said, we thought this was the one. We thought this was it. And then they realized through the betrayal and through the trial, and through the crucifixion, and his death, and his burial, all one by one, by one by one, maybe, maybe through the trial, but the, the betrayal and the trial, they're saying, maybe he'll come out of this, and maybe the angels are going to come down, and, and fire's going to come down, and the earth will open up and swallow all, it. maybe something like that will happen, right? Some Old Testament stuff, you know? Yeah, we kind of want to recruit that to sometimes, don't we? <laughs> Okay, well, anyway. So they had all of these hopes, but, but then finally, as his life is faded and he has died and he's buried in the tomb, their hopes are gone. Their faith is crushed. I think this relates to us as believers sometimes because especially with where we're at and maybe where you've been and you ride the wave. Anybody ride the wave? And you feel like things are going to go great. Things, everything's tracking well. Everything's on pace. And let me tell you, if you're, if you're on that right now and you're at the crest of the wave and you're on that surfboard just like, this is the best moment. This is the greatest season. I can't believe we're in this right now. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. No offense, Sister McGowan. But I'm not trying to be, like, I'm not trying to be negative Nancy. No offense, Sister Moingen. Like, I'm not trying to be, like, I'm not trying to be a hard or a hurt us here today. But, but sometimes that wave is going to come crashing down. And as believers, what are we supposed to do with that? Well, how are we supposed to handle that? These two disciples walking on their way with Jesus with them gives us some guidance as to what we can do. And some of you, life is like, you like the waves already crashed. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay? And some of you are starting to hope again. Some of you are starting to have faith again. And you're like, I'm afraid to have hope. I'm afraid to have faith. Because if I do, I just know it's going to work out the way that it always has before. And we can adopt the mindset maybe of even these disciples that are walking with Jesus, saying, I had my hopes all built up. And now I've, I see nothing to show for it. Come on, somebody. I'm not trying to just be kind and, and loving and just supportive and everything's good. I'm trying to be real with someone today. I'm just trying to get a little real. Is this all right? Like, some things don't really, don't really resonate until they land on your shore. And then it gets real. Like, COVID really wasn't that big of a deal until you or someone you know or you love got COVID. Then it got a little real. When I got COVID back in, what was it, May, I think it was, 
I mean, I wasn't too worried about it, and I, I didn't really, I didn't really follow a lot. I tried, followed some things as we had to, but I didn't, I wasn't really like you know glued and locked in and everything like that. And I just, you know, you, you hear statistics and you go, okay, whatever, you know, and you just kind of, and I'm relative, more or less, relatively healthy and relatively young, more or less, and, and all these like sorts of things. So I'd probably be okay. But I tell you, when I was quarantined in my basement, <laughs> it's real. It got real. It got real, real. I started feeling symptoms that I mean that I didn't. Eat, I didn't even have. I started manifesting symptoms, making them up just because I, I. That's it's there. It's there. It's got me. Made a little video, honey. I love you. If you're seeing this, you know it's like what, what, what. But it got real. It got real. And this whole Christian thing, and this whole experiential Christianity might, might seem like it can just kind of operate above the surface. And if I go to church, and if I, if I give in the offering or tithes, if I go to do a Bible study, and if I, if I go to maybe do a life group, I just kind of go throughout what I'm supposed to do, then everything is going to be just fine. But with reality, it turns out that things don't just operate on the surface level the closer you get to Jesus. Things begin to get real. And we can begin to doubt when things get real. Anybody, can, anybody here today? No? Like, right? We can begin to doubt when things start to get real. We can begin to doubt because we thought we had a promise. How many of you have promises from God that are not yet to be fulfilled? Anybody here today? Come on, so raise your hands. Raise your hands real, real high. If you have a promise from God that has yet to be fulfilled, you look around. If you would have looked around when all these hands were up, it's, it's probably 80% of the people in this congregation are saying, I have a promise from God that has not yet been fulfilled. And the problem is, when we see things going in the opposite direction, we begin to have that conversation, where is Jesus? I thought you were supposed to be the one, God. Oh, we're careful not to maybe say those things out loud, but somewhere deep inside of our hearts, they begin to resonate. It's okay if I just get real with somebody here today. We begin to say, where are you at, Jesus? I thought that you said this was the way it was supposed to go, and it's going in the opposite direction. Where is Jesus? Hebrews 11 and 1, well known, but it says this. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. But hear this, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed, put together by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. What this tells us is that God is create, He's still a creator, and He's still creating things, and He's not done creating things, and He's talking some things and speaking some things, and you don't see it. You don't see how it could ever come to pass. You don't see how it could ever get put together. But all that it takes is one word from Jesus. And when He begins to speak, all of a sudden that which is unseen becomes visible. He begins to bring it to light and bring revelation. And all of this, I'm just trying to say to somebody, don't lose your hope, don't lose your faith, don't go on the road walking the other way, but trust in God. He's in all of this. 
He's in it. What God is making and what God is revealing is not being made of the things that you can see. Let me say that again. What God is making and revealing is not being made of the things that you can see. What he's offering and doing in your life is not being made of what you can presently see and you can engage with. He's doing something different and he's doing something far better. This message is being preached to some people today that might find themselves in a place of these two disciples. This is now after his crucifixion, after Jesus' resurrection, even after they had heard a rumor that he had been resurrected. But I find it so interesting that the disciples, that these two disciples said in verse number 24, certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it was just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Like, I believe, yeah, other people have their own testimonies. Other people have their own stories. And you know what? I'm not here to diminish anybody's story. We're not here to say, well, your testimony is good. But sometimes you want to say, but where's my testimony? Okay, come on, someone. I'm just trying to be real. Because it's going to get a little more real in just a minute. <laughs> this is like a setup. I, I'm sorry. i am be that guy this morning. It's a little bit of a setup. But, bro, I like to hear your testimonies. Sis, I like to hear your testimonies. But sometimes you're like, Where's my, what's, what's going on in my story? Good for Peter. Good for Mary. Good for, good for all of them. But where's my story? All the while, Jesus is right there. Isn't that so interesting? You go, it's happening for them. It's happening for them. It happens for him. We never get like that, do we? Come on, someone. And your brother or your sister gets blessed or God helps them and gives them something and gives them opportunity and, and you're genuinely happy for them. But also there's another side that says, whatever. Okay. The reason you're laughing is because it's true. I'm glad we're getting real this morning. <laughs> Because there was doubt in the followers of Jesus. These are disciples. Again, they're not among the original 12 disciples, but the Bible refers to these as disciples of Jesus. And among his disciples, there was doubt. Even after they had heard the rumor, there was doubt. They were defeated. Even though he had prophesied about his death and his burial and his resurrection, they still clearly did not believe who he said that he was because they were walking in the opposite direction. They began to reason between themselves. And when you've experienced loss like this, when you experience the promise that God has and all the promise that you see, and when you experience loss taking you in the opposite direction, sometimes reasoning between yourselves can be healthy, but can I tell you, it can also be tremendously unhealthy. Now, we don't know the tenor or the tone of their conversation other than the words and the countenance that they were saying represented sadness. That's what Jesus observed. As they began to reason with themselves and talk with themselves, I might suggest that there were elements of their conversation that weren't exactly faith-building. Is that fair to say? I'm, I'm going to go on a, lot of, um, on a lot of limbs today, but this is one I feel pretty confident about, that their conversation probably wasn't faith-building. 
Like they probably weren't walking to Emmaus and saying, man, it's the third day and, and they talked about Jesus being risen. I can't wait to see him someday. I can't wait to go. Like they weren't walking in the opposite direction, all excited and cheerful, full of faith. Their conversation was probably somewhere along these lines. I, I know what I saw, but how can, how can we be left with this? I know, I know that Jesus said that he was going to do this. I, I know that the, the prophets, they, they said that, that the Messiah would come and he would, he would restore all things and, and they'd put everything back together. But, but this is what we're left with right now? We have those conversations, don't we? We say, I, I know that Jesus said, that you have power after the Holy Ghost has come upon them. I know that Jesus said these signs will follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Take up serpents, but that's by accident. But, you know, like, like I know Jesus said these things, but, but here I am, I don't see it, God. And I thought you gave me a promise, and I don't see it yet. Can I, are we getting real yet this morning? And you said you would restore some things in my life, but I don't see it yet. You said that you would put some things back together. You, you, you said these things, but Jesus, I don't see it. Am I getting real with anybody here today? Yeah, okay. And so what do we do with that? How do we, as Christians, as believers, how do we begin to handle that? And we could just say something really trite and simple like, well, it's the plan of God, and, and you'll know better, you know, farther along, we'll understand it by and by. Like, that's a fine song to sing, but like, I want to understand it now. <laughs> like, that doesn't do anything for me. I mean, that's a good song. We could sing it, but it's not. But like, we could. But like, but that doesn't help me right now. Because that doesn't make anything real for me. I need something that I can hold on to. You know, because if you've got something that you can hold on to, just give me something that I can hold on to. It might not be very much. Just give me something that I can hold on to. And if I've got something to hold on to, then I know I can at least make it through anything that I've got to go through. Just give me something. Some of us sometimes, when, it, when things go in the opposite direction, we just feel like letting go. Going back to Emmaus, going back to our default, going back to where we came from. And some of you, let me just, you've been through revival after revival after revival. You've been through church after church after church or church experience after church experience. Maybe this is where you grew up or maybe you're new. It doesn't matter. You've been through all these sorts of things and you're like, but, it, but I, I'm not sure if I really want to trust what's going on because, because of what I have seen and what I know and I don't want to be let down. So, so let me just operate on this level. I don't know if I really want to get deeper. All the while, Jesus is just along for the journey, and he's talking to you, and you can feel your heart burning, like the good kind of heartburn, right? <laughs> like you can feel it, and you feel it deep down. I, I have to hurry here this morning, but because there's something profound that's taking place in this story that I think can help us here today. Their conversation probably wasn't faith-building. I mean, if you believed that Jesus was the one, you would not be walking in the opposite direction. If you believed Jesus was alive again, you wouldn't be leaving. Perhaps they were just sharing some memories, but perhaps, just maybe, there were some things that they had shared that started to look like hurt. 
starting to look like doubt. That when it doesn't work out the way that you think it's going to work out, it starts to sound like you start to share confusion. And if you're not careful, we'll start to share bitterness. I'm going to get real about that here today. Don't let bitterness take root in your heart. No matter what the hurt, no matter what the issue, don't let bitterness take root in your heart. It will choke you and it will kill you. Don't let bitterness take root in your heart. They say, I thought he was supposed to be the one. We believed in him. We gave so much of ourselves to Jesus. Now look at us. And in light of unfulfilled promises from God, we can find ourselves in the same space, in the same frame of mind. And also taking into account that it's possible, even, even probable, that these two disciples were more than just two disciples walking along a road. John 19.25 says this. It says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother, his mother's sister Mary, and the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. It's likely, many scholars, not everyone, but many scholars do believe that Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Cleopas are these two disciples walking on this road from Jerusalem back to Emmaus. In no hurry to get there because there, in there, lies no purpose. They're just wandering because things got real. Things got real. And then in enters Jesus at the time when you least expect him. And in the way that you wouldn't probably expect, right? Like, if we were to write this story, we would say, and they were walking along and this journey, and all of a sudden Jesus showed up just like he did to the others, and he was just like, here I am. And they were like, here you are. And high five, and everything's great. And then, shoom, he's gone again or whatever. Like, that's how we would write the story. But there was something going on between these two disciples within them that Jesus says, I've got to do a work in them. I've got to speak to them and get, get, do a work in them before I can reveal myself to them. And sometimes we want the Lord to reveal himself to us in, in our external, but he's saying, I'd rather do something internally. Right? He's saying, we're saying, we're saying Jesus, show up out here, and, and, and I'm with you on that. But he's like, no, no, no. I really want to do something in here. I really want to do a work in there. And once he, hear me today, once he does the work in there, all of this changes. And he, situationally, nothing out there really changed for them. It was that Jesus did something in here. And when he changes that, this world, no problem. Right? Come on, somebody. I wish I had a church, Brother Powell. Come on, somebody. When he changes what's going on in here and what comes from your heart to your eyes and how you perceive this world, then nothing in this world will matter. Nothing matters. So what? 
So what where they, what they're going to do? So what where the country goes? So what where the, where the dollar goes? So what? So what? So what? Jesus Christ is in here. He did a work in here. He changed everything for me because he is risen. He's alive again. So, so what? But there's this, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hasten this morning because I do need to hurry. But there's this point in this story, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this part really, really quickly. So buckle your seatbelts because I'm going to go through this part really quickly. There's this part in this story that says this, and it's, again, in Luke chapter 24, and it's, it's just so powerful. It says that, in verse number 31, it says, Then their eyes were opened, and they knew. Their eyes were opened, and they had a revelation, and they knew. There's another story I want to read to you to reveal some things that hopefully will be helpful, and it's found in Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 7. Simply put, I'll just read it like this. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made, and said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew. They knew that they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. When you see patterns like this in Scripture, it ought to cause us to take a time out and say, whoa, what's going on here? When you see overlap, and this is one of the things Pastor Hatton does, and I'm just like, where did you get this stuff? I'm a little jealous, but I'm like, I can't be that jealous. You know, it's like, whatever. When you begin to layer some things and pattern some things together, and you see the way that the Lord works things out, you go, that, there's something meaningful here. I'll give you an example. At Babel, again in Genesis, at Babel, because the people were building their own kingdom and desires, God scattered them through the avenue of confusing their language. Right? Remember that? Tower of Babel? Scattered? Okay, right? Confuse their language? In Acts, because the people were building his kingdom, God spread abroad the message through the use of many languages. As Luke wrote the book of Acts, it's no surprise that the events in the Gospel of Luke and in Genesis have some patterns that we're seeing to emerge here. And in these two stories of the road to Emmaus disciples and the the garden scene, there were two humans involved, presumably husband and wife. Food is offered to both of them. And the one offering the food was more than natural. The roles were reversed in the garden. Adam and Eve were to tend and manage, but the serpent became the host of that meal. And in Luke, Cleopas and Mary were hosting Jesus, but the tables were turned as he became the host of the meal. When the food was accepted, neither couple recognized what was actually taking place. And in both Genesis 3, 7 and Luke 24, 31, upon eating the food, their eyes were opened. Immediately upon eating, there was also a shift in their relation with their presence with God in them. 
after Adam and Eve ate, they were ushered out of the garden. But after Cleopas and Mary ate, they ran back to Jerusalem. They said, I got to tell somebody about what just happened to us. It just got real. So there's a pattern we're seeing emerge here. And, and with that, there's one more thing I want to share regarding these two disciples. And it is this. It's that the breaking of bread was the link to the miracle. The breaking of bread was the link to their revelation. Verse 31 of Luke chapter 24 again. It said, well, let's back up to verse number 30. Now it came to pass, and I had you repeat these words. As he sat at the table with them, the Bible says that he took bread, that he blessed it, he broke it, and he gave it to them. Everyone remember saying those words? Then when that happened, their eyes were opened, and they knew him. Just as there are some patterns, there's a pattern that's taking place here that the breaking of the bread was the link to their revelation. Now, oftentimes, what, we have, what I've heard and what many people have probably said, and you've probably heard this too, is that this was a reference to the Last Supper. Anybody remember that? Maybe some of you have heard that? Well, but I got news for us. Cleopas and, if it's Mary, Cleopas and Mary weren't at the Last Supper. They weren't there. How is that a link if they weren't even there? Like, they didn't get that tweet. Like, it wasn't, they, that didn't show up in their inbox. It wasn't there. So I began to do a little bit of research. I began to do a little bit of reading and say, okay, well, let's look at some similarities here. And I came upon this, uh, well, it, 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 I, I was reminded of this, it, these events that happened in Luke chapter 9. We're going to read from that. And I'm almost done, so don't check out. But there's something that's really profound that's happening here in Scripture. Is this okay? Great. <laughs> No, just hold on just a little while longer because there's something that's happening here. Now, I remember this in Luke chapter 9 with the feeding of the loaves, uh, the feeding of the 5,000 with the loaves and the fishes. And, and, and I began to say, okay, Lord, well, how does that connect with each other? And I told my wife this. I, I was praying and the Lord said, well, just, just read it. I thought, oh, okay, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, right? Like, God, send some miraculous revelation. He's like, read my book. Fair enough. So I, I've just a little more reading. Is this all right this morning? Everybody okay? Because there's something, you see, it wasn't even the revelation of, of, of that it was Jesus. It wasn't even the unveiling of their eyes that was the pivot point in this story. And I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. That wasn't, even, that wasn't even when the roles, when things begin to change. That wasn't the real big deal. And let me just bring it down to give us a little bit of help here today. Is that you're wondering, when is Jesus going to show up in my story? Anybody? Come on, somebody. When is Jesus going to show up in my story? When, when, when is he going to show up? I heard that he came to them. I heard that he came to them. I heard that he's blessing somebody. But when is Jesus going to show up in my story? When am I going to see the Savior? When, when is he going to show up here and do something big and powerful, miraculous, that leaves me with no doubt in my mind? And what you fail, maybe we fail to understand, is that he's already doing it. 
He's already doing just you wanting and desiring, saying, where are you, Jesus? And hoping again and believing again and starting to put your faith out there again. These two disciples, they were on their way to Emmaus, defeated and discouraged. They were on their way giving up in complete defeat. But when Jesus left them, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us when he was talking to us about the prophets? It was beginning to raise within them hope again because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, so hear this story in Luke because there's a pivot point that is happening in your life where things are about to turn around. I just believe this this morning. Amen. Luke chapter 9, verse 10 says this, And the apostles, when they returned, told him all the things that they had done, and he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. But when the multitudes knew it, they followed him, And he received them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who had need of healing. I'm just going to insert something. Sometimes we want to see the healing, but God is saying, I want to do a work in here, in your heart. Not even just you being healed, but sometimes we want to pray for somebody else and for them to be healed. But I just believe that God is saying, I want to do a work in here before I ever do anything out there. Because he's not the author of confusion. Amen. When the day began to wear away, verse 12, the 12, the 12 disciples came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and, and country and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Verse number 16. Let's listen in on this verse. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke and gave them to the disciples that sat before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. You want to know where Cleopas and presumably Mary saw this taking, blessing, breaking, and giving? It's likely, it could be, it could be anything, but I'm just, this is just me today, it's likely that they were there among the 5,000. They were some of the disciples that were right there. And they were saying, this is amazing. And you've been there before where you've said, this is amazing. Can I talk to somebody here today? I'm going to be real. You've been there before where you said, this is it. This is incredible. This is amazing. You fast forward to the end of this story. And you find in John chapter 6, John chapter 6, this is the telling of the exact same events that take place, but there's something that takes place at the end that John includes in his gospel. And it says that it gives insight to the disciples, the rest of the disciples, not just the 12. It says, from this time, verse number 66, from this time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. 
Then Jesus said to the twelve, so if Cleopas and Mary were disciples of Jesus Christ, and if in fact they were there, they heard some really hard things that they were supposed to believe, and they said, I am done with this. I'm out of here. And they left and walked away from Jesus. But what we find here is this, is that somewhere between their walking away from Jesus and Him being crucified and Him in that resurrection conversation that He was having with them, somewhere between John chapter 6 and Luke chapter 24, Cleopas and Mary must have gotten back on board and said, you know what, we're really going to give this thing a chance. I had some doubts, I had some fears, I had some apprehensions, This was gonna, I thought it was too much and I, I don't think I could take it, but somewhere between walking away from Jesus and then Him meeting them on the road to Emmaus, somewhere in there, they must have said within themselves, let's give this thing another chance. And I'm just here as a preacher here today to tell you this, that you may have had some highlights, you may have had some lowlights, you may have had some moments in your life where you said, this is great, and you said, this is too much, I can't handle this anymore. But somewhere between that place and where you're at right now, God is working on you in ways that you have no idea and you can't see, and he's waiting to reveal himself to you today. These two stories, and I'm going to begin, I'm going to close with this. Yeah, let's do that. Let's, musicians and everyone, if you could, if you could come in. I don't normally do that. I'm, do you have a song picked out? <laughs> What's that? We're not talking to you. Mind your own business. Mind your own business. I told you all, looking over here. <laughs> Okay, all right. So in these two, in these two um, stories that take place, you have these two things in common that he took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. He took, he blessed, he broke, and he gave. And it was in the breaking, as Luke chapter 24 says, it was in the breaking of the bread that's when their eyes were opened and Jesus was revealed to them. But if you look at the language of those two disciples as they were walking back to Emmaus in the very beginning of this conversation with Jesus, the language of their conversation was not that Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. The language of their conversation was, he was another prophet. He was going to do some things and help us out, just like the prophets of old. And they failed to recognize and realize that he was God manifested in the flesh. Even these believers and followers and these disciples of Jesus as they're walking back to Emmaus failed to realize that it was God manifested in the flesh. They thought he was just, not to diminish it, but they thought he was just another prophet. And so what Jesus was doing before he said, here I am, I'm Jesus, he was saying, I'm going to do something in your heart and I'm going to open up the eyes of your understanding before I reveal to you the eyes of your situation. He says, I'm doing something in your heart so I can reveal myself to you that I am God. Like when you have just, when you've got a prophet, listen, when you've got a prophet in your midst, you know, the people of God all the time, they were always dismissing the prophets. They, they you know, I don't really, it doesn't really matter what they say, so on and so on. The people of God were always doing that. But when God showed up, they fell to their faces. They trembled in fear. And they said, whatever you want, God, this is where we're going. 
Sometimes we see God in that direction. We see him as just another voice in our lives. But God's trying to reveal in your heart today, he's trying to reveal something in you saying, I'm not just operating on the surface or the periphery. I am intertwined with every aspect of your being. I want you. I want you. I love you. I've claimed you as my own. I've got you covered. Trust in me. And so I wondered, God, why in the, in the taking, the blessing, the breaking, and the giving, what about that means something to this, to this story? That, why was it that that is what, what, what revealed who you were to them? And the Lord said, keep reading. So I kept reading. It's pretty simple. The Lord says that you just keep doing it. So we read in Luke chapter 9, and he took and he blessed and he broke and he gave. And, and then he gave it to the disciples, set before the multitude. Verse number 17. And so they all ate and were filled. And the 12 baskets of leftover fragments were taken up by them. And it's like, great, Lord, but what does this have to do with anything? He said, keep reading. The very next verse. And it happened as he was alone praying that his disciples joined him. And he asked them, saying, Who do the crowds say that I am? So they answered and said, John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say that you're one of the prophets. You're one of the prophets that's risen again. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Not just another voice that's out there. Not just an unconcerned figure with, every, with, with the, thing, the little things of your life. But Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Christ. You're the one that we've been waiting for. If you read in John, it says that he says flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But it's been a revelation. It was in the taking, the blessing, the breaking, the giving. Their eyes were open to realize, to fully realize and see who God was in their lives. And for you, this is where it gets the realest of real. For you and me, we think that God has got a testimony for somebody else lined up. Come on, somebody. You said, yeah, that's a good story for them, but I've stopped hoping in this. Yeah, I've got a promise, but, you know, I'm not really sure. I think, I, I think I'm better at rehearsing the conversation on the road to Emmaus than I am in repeating the promise that God has given me. All the while, Jesus is with you. All the while, Jesus is with you. And your heart is burning within you, but you're saying something doesn't set right about this. There's something, that's, there's something more that's to this. And it's this moment where God is trying to reveal in you who he really is. Because, can I just be honest? Some, oh, hallelujah. Sometimes we don't make him Lord of our life. Sometimes we don't trust that he's going to be the Lord of our life. Like, I'll, I'll get baptized in Jesus' name, and I'll, and I'll ask you to fill me with your spirit, and I'll, and I'll go to church, but, but Lord, I, I just don't know where you're at on Monday. And I, and I don't know where you're at on a Thursday. 
And I don't know where you're at on a Saturday sometimes. Lord, I, Jesus, just they got their testimonies, but Jesus, where are you? I don't know where you're at. And he's doing something underneath the surface leading to this moment here today where he's saying, I want to reveal myself to you not just as a, an organization, not just as a religion, not just as a good voice in your life, not just as red letters on the page. I want to reveal myself to you as God Almighty in your life. Hold on. Do we understand what happens when God shows up? When God shows up, there is no argument. When God shows up, there is no negotiation. When God shows up, people can't stand there and negotiate with him and argue and say, well, I think it should be my way. When God shows up, Scripture tells us every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every knee, even the most hardest of critics will say every knee is going to bow and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So I stand here this morning. We may. So we have all of these big events taking place. We have the crucifixion, the resurrection. We have the conversation on the road to Emmaus, the hearts burning within them. We have Jesus taking and, and blessing and breaking and giving. We have all these things. We have the revelation of who God is. But that's not the pivot point of this story. The pivot point of this story is this. is when the hosts, which were these two disciples, become the guests. That's when things begin to shake a little bit. And that's what gets real for us. Is Jesus, you can walk with me on my journey. You can come with me on my journey. You can go with me on my way. You can even, you can even speak into my life a little bit. That's okay. That's okay, Lord. You, you, I'll, I'll let you do this. But then the tables have got to turn. So that no longer am I dictating the tenor and the tone and the cadence, but now I've invited Jesus in and I've said, okay, Jesus, now you can be the one that has the direction and the control of my life. Pastor Hatton mentioned it this morning that when you go over to his house for the, for the first time, you're a guest there. You're a guest. you got a great host. And Sister Hatton will cook up some breakfast supper, and it's just it's wonderful. It's good. I love it. It's great. You know what? When I, when I went over there for the first time, I wasn't about to start going through the cupboards and pulling stuff down and say, can I get you anything? And just kind of like breaking bread and getting the meal ready for I would never do that. You Minnesotans would never do that. I'd even say that you Jamaicans probably would never do that, right? Well, maybe Brother Powell might do that. I was just teasing. I was just teasing. We would never do that. You sit at somebody's table for the very first time when they've invited you in, and then all of a sudden you start breaking the bread and talking about stuff. It's like, what are you doing? Like, look at each other. Do we make a mistake by inviting this guy in here? That's exactly what happened. Jesus Christ came to their table and he took the position of host. He took the position. They said, he said, they said, look, we've made it to our destination. Jesus said, well, I'm going to keep going. And the pivot point was this, is when they said, no, don't go any further, but abide 
with me. Stay with me. Because I can't go another, I can't go any further, and my life can't advance, Jesus, unless you stay with me. And it was at that point the story turned, and Jesus said, Okay, now I can start revealing some things in your life when you invite Jesus to abide, when you let things get real. I wonder this morning if you, somebody here can begin to take that take that tone and adopt that saying because if I'm just being real we can try to carry this on our own and we can try to do this our own way we could try to keep Jesus at arm's length and say, God, I'll follow you just this far, but no farther. That's about as far as I can take it anymore. And I've tried it. I've had ups and downs and ups and downs. And it's been like a roller coaster. I don't think I can take any more of this. So, Lord, I'm going to keep you at arm's length. And Jesus, because he's a gentleman, he'll say, well, then I'll just, that's fine. I'll just keep going, God, going by. But I wonder if something inside of somebody today would say, no, Jesus, don't go. Stay with me. Abide with me. Don't leave me, Jesus. I can't make it another day without you, God. And I'm tired of doing this just by myself. I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. I'm I'm tired of trying to be the Lord of my own life. Jesus, I need you to abide with me. I want this relationship here to get real. Amen. And that's our prayer this morning. So why don't we do this? Let's open up this altar here this morning. If you just want to come up and just spend some time in prayer as our custom is, I want to invite you right now. Can you begin to come up can you maybe begin as you've had the ups and the downs of your journey? You've had the roller coaster of your journey that you've been walking on and times that you've had hope and times where your hope has been crushed. But can you hear, hear me? I don't even know, but there's somebody, if you're in the way, way back and you're saying, but yeah, I'll just get it back here. Maybe, maybe you could just begin to make your way like you used to. Maybe you could step out and begin to believe and begin to have hope again that Jesus Christ can do something about this because he is not just another voice. He's the Lord of your life. He's your God. He's your Savior. He's your King. He's your ruler. He's almighty. And right now, he's wanting to reveal himself to you. So let's pray. Jesus, reveal yourself. Oh, Jesus, help me to see. Help me to understand. Help me to know who you are, God. Help me to know how you've got this. I don't have to figure it out, but let me to know how you've got it, Jesus. Help me to know how you're in control. Help me to know that you sit on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody.
Thank you.